cut and this is the K cut. And for this episode, we are doing sound. That's right. We'll be doing the sound category, the best original song and best original score from this year's Academy Awards. So which category do we want to jump into first? Um, song, because that was uh, amazing. We might as well just jump right into the song category. And uh, thank God you opened that, because if, if I did, I feel like uh, I would have won a Razzie. So I'm, uh, I'm <laughs> very thankful for that. Um, yeah, we're going to be going into all of these audible categories at this year's Academy Awards. And I feel like we've got a lot to cover, a lot of great you know, music, a lot of great, just sonic palettes. Things are going to be fantastic. So let's get into the best original song category. Rachel, who are our nominees? All right. So for original song, we've got, um, we've got Encanto's Dos Oriquitas, King Richard's Be Alive, Belfast Down to Joy, Four Good Days, Somehow You Do, and No Time to Die, No Time to Die. Real creative titling there. Wow, that's that's a shocker there. A Bond theme song, really. Um, Alrighty, so kick things off, Rachel. What are your rankings? What's interesting about this category is I can see a path for four different winners, and I'll go into that in a minute. But, okay, we got Belfast Down to Joy at number five. It was fine. Nothing special. Kind of set the mood. Four Good Days, Somehow You Do was pretty competently written. I think it, res- it resonates well with the movie that it was for. It loses points for being in the credits. Um, King Richard's Be Alive was excellent. It was just a great song. Um, you know, you've got Beyonce and it, like, who can turn that down? It was really great. Encantos Dos Arreguitas, I mean, they should have sent Bruno. That was their bad. But, um, I guess we don't sing about Bruno. Um, Dos Arreguitas was beautiful. It was compassionate and heartfelt. And then No Time to Die was just this awesome Bond theme, um, it had the, all the cool of Bond. I think it had the emotional range of this new Bond movie and just really suited the property it was going for. So I put it as my personal number one. I think the Belfast one is unlikely to win, but the other four could. Four Good Days is a Diane Warren and they want to nominate her. Or uh, King Richard is Beyonce and the song I think is quite good. Uh, and then No Time to Die, Bond automatically gets a leg up. But I think in the end they're going to do Encantos Dos Orguitas both because Encanto was a major hit and because they won't be able to resist handing the EGOT to Lin-Manuel Miranda. Yeah, best original song is always really hard to predict because I feel like so many people don't even bother really attaching the songs to the films. It's actually my least favorite category, not particularly this year, but I mean, just in general, I feel like it's the most exploitational when it comes to just selecting bad films because a hot artist is involved or... I don't know. I feel like in general, this category is actually pretty good this year, but it just makes it hard to predict because at this point, it's not even about what songs are best serving the films that they're attached to. It's personal preference of how they sound. And I feel like that also makes it really difficult or giving shout outs to friends like, oh, I love so-and-so. I want them to win an Oscar or help them get an EGOT or... I really like James Bond themes. I'm going to go with that one. Nonetheless, I'll stop my whining. James, what about you? What is your ranking? Uh, so, so my ranking is a little bit different. I actually put um, Dos Origuitas fifth. And I kind of base this on like replay value for myself as opposed to primarily context of the movie. Also, we don't talk about Bruno should have been the nominee. 
Yeah, they, they, I don't think they realized how famous that one was going to get. Yeah, that, that was, it was also the catchiest song in the whole movie. Uh, for, I mean, the Diane Warren track, I think this is one of those things where it's like, with how many times she's been nominated, it's starting to get a little sad. Oh, I feel so bad saying that, but I think you got a point. I mean, it's like, when you get nominated that many times and you don't win, it's like, and it's not like this song is bad either. It's just one of those things where it's like, it's not her year. It's almost like they see her name. And it's like, yes, instantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I put uh, down to joy just because I think it's like, I, that's a song that I'd probably listen to anyway. For number two, I put no time to die. Now, Bond themes are this one or this thing where it's like, it's going to get nominated regardless. Mm-hmm. It's a Bond theme. Also, mm-hmm. I'm not that big of a fan of Billie Eilish, but I do think it was one of the stronger ones. And I put Be Alive the first because, I mean, I think it's a great song. And I think that might be the winner. I, I think Beyonce's star power might influence mm-hmm. this one. And the Academy really likes the movie it's in, too. Yeah. Yes. That certainly does help. Um, number five, I have four good days. Uh, you know, the Diane Warren cut. Uh, sub- somehow you do. I mean, first and foremost, I'm not a big Reba McIntyre fan. I feel like it's the, the song is fine. I just want to comment more on what the two of you were saying already. I don't think it's sad. I think it's almost sadistic at this point. I feel mm-hmm. like... I don't feel like Diane Warren is doing these songs to get nominated per se, like she's award chasing, because why would she be doing indie films or international films for this? You know, if we're looking at last year um, with that uh, Sophia Loren film, the name is escaping me. The Life Ahead. Exactly, The Life Ahead. Thank you. Um, and the year before, was it the, the Breakthrough, I think it was called, that film? I don't think she's doing these necessarily to try and award chase, but I feel like at this point, we know Four Good Days and The Life Ahead and Breakthrough, these films aren't really going to win Academy Awards. They're just not going to do that. I feel like it's... When you're nominating somebody this many times and you're not actually awarding them, I feel like it's sadistic. I don't think somebody as talented as Diane Warren... Deserves that. You know, if she won one and kept getting nominated, fine. That's really cool. But I feel like it's it's almost mean at this point. I don't think it's like actually a good thing that she keeps getting nominated and not winning. Um, nonetheless, uh, I, I typically prefer her stuff a little more. This just wasn't my favorite of hers. Um, number four, I'm a very big fan, Morrison fan. Down to Joy kind of serves its purpose, and that's pretty much it. I feel like it's pretty well written uh, on a lyrical standpoint, but I feel like... Musically, it's a little so-so, um, just by personal preference, I guess. Um, shout out to Astro Weeks, one of the most beautiful albums of all time, of course. Number three, I've got No Time to Die by Billie Eilish and uh, brother Phineas O'Connell. I feel like I'm kind of a Billie Eilish fan. This song, on the other hand, was like just so much more than I was expecting. I feel like it's just so grandiose, epic, and just stunning and powerful. Uh, the last Bond theme to win, um, you know, Writings on the Wall, I think it's called, that Sam Smith song, I felt like was okay and I didn't really deserve to win. And it I defeated feel like that Diane was... Warren the one year she really, really should have won. Yeah, for that, uh, what's it called, the Hunting Ground yeah. documentary, right? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I, I, I firmly agree, actually. And um, I feel like the Sam Smith song, and I, I, I do think he's a talented vocalist, I feel like it was so-so. This, on the other hand, if this ended up winning the Oscar, I'd be perfectly fine with. I think it's like on par with the Skyfall theme by Adele. Um, 
I think Billie Eilish and, and her brother did an excellent job here. Number two, Doso de Gites by, Encan you know, not in, in Encanto by Lin-Manuel Miranda, I feel like it's really good. I hate to have to agree with, you know, the other cuts in the film that are a little bit more upbeat and they, they showcase his lyrical finessing, which is always just a music to my ears. Having said that, this is still a lovely ballad, and I feel like they were trying to go the Coco route when that won for Best Original Song, so I don't know if it's going to bite them in the butt. If not, we could see an EGOT happening before our very eyes. Wouldn't mind if that happened. Number one, I'm going Queen Bee. Love this song. I feel like the film itself is pretty standard, but this song has so much power, oomph, and emphasis that it kind of just makes the whole thing feel worthwhile when it, you know, when it's used with like the real life footage of uh, Richard Williams and his family, um, you know, to top the whole thing off, you know, in the final hour, I feel like, I feel like it really, really, really works. Now, who do I think is going to win? Oh my God, this is tough. Um, and whatever I we don't... predict, somebody else will. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I, I don't think Diane Warren or Van Morrison are going to win. I do think there's a chance Beyonce can win because I'm thinking of Judas and the Black Messiah last year where it was guaranteed that Daniel Kalia was going to win, but because of the heavy promotion of the film, it also won her best original song, and I'm foreseeing the same thing happening with Will Smith and potentially this. If not, my original prediction was No Time to Die because I feel like Billie Eilish is kind of like the one person that people just like tossing awards to and it's like a legitimately good song and it's a Bond theme song. I don't know. But then we got Lin-Manuel Miranda and Encanto, which I feel like has a really good chance as well. I gotta pick one though. Um, my original prediction was No Time to Die. I'm gonna go with Encanto this time. I could That could also change right before the Oscars, but Right now, I'm feeling a canto as well. Lin-Manuel Miranda for the EGOT. You know um, our motto, nothing certain till the envelope's open and sometimes not even then. Yeah, especially for this category. This category is such, such a crapshoot. Like, I feel like this, some of the shorts categories most years, some of them just really aren't easy pr to predict because there's no, like, real award season race or anything. So, um, now we are going to hop into the next category. We're going to do, let's say, uh, original score, the other music category. So, who are our nominees, James? Well, we have Don't Look Up, composed by Nicholas Patel, Dune, composed by Hans Zimmer, and Canto, composed by Jermaine Franco, Parallel Mothers, Alberto Iglesias, and The Power of the Dog by Johnny Greenwood. Alrighty, what do you think, James? Uh, what's your ranking? So I put in Canto Fifth. It's very much in line with what Pixar always has in their movies as far as music is concerned. They do have kind of... The thing about Disney is they're very good about having this kind of... I don't call it an assembly line way of working, but it's like they do have a specific thing they do. But I think that kind of hurts them because it's like it, they, don't, they can't deviate that from, from that sometimes. So that's why, I mean, it's still a good score. I think the more of the songs is what you're looking for in that movie, but it was still a good score. I put Don't Look Up Fourth because I think what's going on in the movie often distracted me from everything else going on in the movie because of how, uh, how heavy-handed it is with the satire. It's like I almost couldn't think about the music because I was just so focused on how crazy things were. And it's not even just how crazy things were. It's how 
how I, I just kind of felt it a little too hit a too close at home because this didn't feel like satire even because things are that kind of weird and wild here in the States. So three, I put parallel mothers. I thought that score did a really good job emphasizing the emotion and tension throughout that movie. I, it's a fairly standard score, but I thought it did a job. I put Dune second. Now here's my thing with Dune. This felt like a day at the office for me. He did everything I expected him to. And I think that's why it kept it from being number one. It's also one of those movies I do think that there are other composers who could have done that just as good, if not better. Like, honestly, I would have liked to hear Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross take this movie. I, I think they could have taken it to a level because I think the thing with the sci-fi movie like this is it never feels futuristic like sci-fi because of the desert setting. They have to add, there's other elements like the throat singing I thought was mid mainly because I've seen that in a trope in a lot of like desert settings in music. So it was like one of those things I was like, Oh, I've heard this before, but I mean, it was still a good score. I think it's like, I, I kind of think he, I wish he would have kind of taken the route he did with Blade Runner 2049 because I thought that was very unique and it was, it wasn't much to what he usually does. Whereas to this one, it's like, you know, you've got his orchestral moments, you got his experimental moments. But uh, overall, it was still good. I put The Power of the Dog first, and I think it's going to win. And I think it needs to win because Johnny, Johnny Greenwood needs to get his flowers for this because no matter what he does, he just fight like it could be just like a single melody going on, but it just emphasizes the emotion of this so well, or like certain string harmonies, like adding this, you know, dimension of tension between, you know, the main character and what's going on. I don't know. I just think Johnny Greenwood's really interesting. I always find it interesting when non-composers become composers. Cause for those who know John, Johnny Greenwood is he's from Radiohead. And it's always so fascinating when musicians like from the popular spectrum, go and scores because they always look at it from a different point of view. I mean, it just look at his track record with what all he's done also. And it's like, I'd have to agree with what you said on your website that uh, the Spencer score was a snub. Like that could have easily been nominated. Yeah. Um, Johnny Greenwood's interesting because he actually has a classical background before the whole Radiohead thing. So even then he was approaching rock music with a different perspective and, you know, so was everybody in the group like Tom York as well. Um, and Radiohead, you know, they started off in the popular music realm, but they really deviated into something a lot more abstract. And to this day, like, nobody's really succeeded Kid A, and it's over 20 years old now. And now that he's, like, actually tackling scores for the last, you know, 15, more than 15, it's almost 20 years at this point, um, I think is is amazing. And Especially his work with PTA. Oh, yeah, he really is one of the finest. Uh, I'll quickly go through my rankings. Uh, and Canto Last as well. I feel like it's still a beautiful score. Um, it's kind of what you expect, but it's still done ex you know, exceptionally well. So no qualms there. I actually have uh, Alberto Iglesias with Parallel, with Parallel Mothers Fourth. I feel like it's very similar to the works of Henry Mancini, which already is a good sign for me. Um, 
it definitely uh, adds like this classic Hollywood thriller element to the film in a way that gives it its own kind of like unique qualities in today's modern landscape. When you know people like Hans Zimmer are kind of going that expected route now, it's nice to hear something like this again. Uh, number three, Nicholas Bertel with Don't Look Up. I'm a very big fan of Nicholas Bertel, whether it's you know stuff with Barry Jenkins or um, obviously the the music in Succession is fantastic as well. I feel like this is one of the very few elements that were consistently great in the film. Um, and I guess quick snub for uh, best original song. Shout outs to uh, to the song by Ariana Grande and Kid Cudi, which I'm surprised was not there. Um, one of the few things I liked about the film as well, and when I say few, I mean few. Um, I feel like the, the the sound, or I feel like the score for Don't Look Up had a lot of character, and it's it's nice to see it getting some recognition, even though the film itself is kind of okay. Um, Hans Zimmer Dune, number two. I kind of get what you're saying and agree to an extent, but at the same time, I feel like it's great that we expect this from Hans Zimmer because, I mean, the fact that we expect excellency is pretty pretty staggering but he always reaches that bar i still feel like it's really good but like you i have to go number one the power of the dog johnny greenwood who has been disrespected so often not that he cares i mean he doesn't care about accolades like this but i do he should have been a two-time <laughs> nominee this year and i feel like it's stupid that he wasn't um i hope he wins this damn thing i feel like depending on how the best picture race is going if it's still going to be the power of the dog winning the whole thing, the fact that Cody Smith McPhee might not win anymore because Troy Kutzer has a bigger chance of winning, so that could be Coda's win, it might have to pick up another win elsewhere, so I wouldn't be surprised. I predicted Dune for the for the winner here. I still feel like it's going to be Dune, but I might actually go with Johnny Greenwood just as the slight takeover because it needs this to win for Best Picture. Interesting. Well, unlike you guys, um, as much as I love musicals, film music is something of a dead key on my personal piano, so to speak. I never remember it. I barely ever pick it up. And so this is not my strongest category for commentary. So I pretty much was the complete opposite of you guys. I put The Power of the Dog fifth. I just don't think it was one of the strongest aspects of the movie. It just didn't stand out as much to me. Um, and Dune, like James said, I think it was the, your standard epic movie score. It was mm. really well done, but, you know, boom, crash, there are kingdoms being overthrown, la la la. Um, Encanto, I thought, was very good. Um, I think what got to me with that was how much it had to encompass all these different characters in a relatively short amount of time. And it had to handle all these balancing of different ideas. And I think it did it splendidly. And again, you need a real musical theater person <laughs> like Lin-Manuel Miranda to handle it. I put Don't Look Up second because I think it was the showiest out of all these scores. It was the most... It was the one that stood out the most within its own movie, in my opinion. And I think that actually matches the tone of the movie because it is not subtle. Even fans of the movie can admit that. And it also had to cover some pretty heavy-going stuff, not to spoil Don't Look Up. So I think in terms of matching the film it was in, Don't Look Up was the strongest. Um, and in terms of sheer beauty and the very raw plot that it had to ha go up to, I ranked Parallel Mothers first. It, um, it was the one where I was watching the movie and thinking, oh, this is a good score, which I never do because movie scores do not appeal to me. As for the prediction, I actually went with Don't Look Up, because again, 
I think this movie resonated in a strange way, and I suspect it might come to roost in some of the categories, and this could be it. Because I will never forget that ending sequence, and I think it's burned into many other memories as well. You brought up a good point in the last episode, Rachel, uh, where the Best Picture nominees typically come home with one win, or you know, this year maybe fewer Best Picture nominees might not win anything. Um, but I feel like if Don't Look Up were to win something, do you feel like that this could be the one that it picks up? Because what else can it pick up? Yeah, like it might have an outside shot at screenplay, but screenplay is pretty strong, so... I think it might well go to score. And again, I think that ending sequence is what clinched it. If not score, maybe editing, but like... No, please. That movie needed more editing. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, another point to bring up. Have you noticed how many of these movies are well over two hours long? The average length of uh, the Best Picture nominees, a good chunk of them are over two and a half hours. Some of them are over three. So... And my philosophy is, if you're going to make me sit and watch your movie for more than an hour and 45 minutes to two hours, it had better be good. You are being arrogant if you give me a mediocre movie at that length. So a few of those movies hit that category this year. I, I can already predict what some of them might be. And some of them are in that editing category, which we will get to uh, potentially next week. Um, for now, this is the third category. I'm going to run through the best sound nominees, which... Uh, This really grinds my gears. I say this all the time this category comes up. This should be two different categories, sound mixing and sound editing. They are not one and the same. They are completely different things. One is the creation of the sounds. The other is the actual blending of the sounds. That's like saying cinematography and editing are the same. I think it's ridiculous. Anyway, uh, enough griping. Your nominees for best sound are Belfast, Dune, No Time to Die, The Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. So to quickly go through my rankings, I have, uh, unfortunately, The Power of the Dog last. I feel like it's uh, minimalist use of sound, like the breezes in the air, um, some of the more delicate sounds, like I, I'll never forget, like, you know, the, the crackling of fire or, you know, the, the layering of, uh, of dining room banter. I feel like it's really good, but compared to some of the other nominees, it just doesn't hold up as well. Uh, I have Belfast at four. Because I feel like uh, while it's kind of similar in some ways, it also has scenes that definitely showcase some great usage of sound. I'm particularly thinking of the more rebellious riot scenes. Um, number three, I have No Time to Die. It's an action film. I feel like those are kind of a mainstay here. Um, and I feel like there's some real delicate palettes of sound here, especially when it comes to like, uh, you know, that opening lengthy sequence. Um, you know, bullets flying everywhere, you know, the, the ground and buildings getting hit. I feel like it's just, oh, again, it's just music to my ears. West Side Story number two, I mean, it's a musical and it's one that's pretty well done when it comes to the blending of the music, the talking, the sounds around them. I feel like everything was balanced so well, so punchy, just done so crisply, so nice. Number one, I have Dune. I feel like the way that they balance everything that's going on on screen, whether it's super duper heavy in scope and feel, you know, super bassy or really delicate with the, you know, the, the very, uh, you know, spiritual talking, you know, it's this type of epic movie. So they speak in such regal tones, but like, you know, it captures every single scope and size of everything going on so that's my number one as to what i think will win i'm gonna have to go with dune because it's gonna clean up a lot of these tech categories uh rachel what about you we had the same ranking the same prediction and pretty much the same reasons 
Like, I, I ranked Power of the Dogs, it was minimalist, No Time to Die, because I had lots of things blowing up, Belfast, because the war scenes were kind of cool, and uh, in terms of the sound design, and West Side Story, uh, musicals are hard, and then Dune, because it was big and epic, but it had it was a stunning technical achievement. Dune's going to win, um, spoiler of the year, yeah. Do you have any um, snubs that you were thinking of for the category, since uh, I guess I, I took up a lot of uh, what you were going to say, is there anything that should be here? I might have thrown in Spider-Man because I think, again, it had similar to No Time to Die. It had a really great kind of playful way that it, it handled all the different sounds and things going on in a scene. That I really enjoy the Spider-Man series in Marvel because it's probably the most fun. And I think even the sound and visual effects in Spider-Man captured its whimsy. Fantastic. Um, yeah, the fact that I'm not going to pretend that I feel like No Time or um, No Way Home should have been a Best Picture winner or anything like that. Um, but I, I'm surprised it only got the one nomination because I feel like it does excel in a bunch of other ways. So I, I kind of do have to agree with that a little bit with that. James, what about you? So for mine, uh, Power of the Dog last, same reasons, just the minimalist approach. I mean, there wasn't, sound isn't, isn't really a focus in that movie. I put fourth Belfast where, I mean, the sound isn't really something to highlight until like the rioting scenes. Uh, I put West Side Story 3. I thought it was really good. I think this is, uh, I'd say it's interchangeable with my number two, No Time to Die. Being a sound designer, I know it goes into all this stuff. And I do think this is the part where I do think you have to kind of consider the two different categories of editing and mixing. West Side Story is a great example of mixing, but No Time to Die is like one of the better examples of like sound design and editing. So the fact that they're in the same category, it's really hard. So those are kind of interchangeable. Uh, Dune first because that required having an imagination because there's just so much stuff you have to make up like a lot of these other ones it's like there's practical sounds Dune's a sci-fi flick anything there could have sounded like anything especially with the way they process the uh, what is known as the voice I thought that was great and um, I think Dune's gonna take it Absolutely. I will give a quick shout out to Last Night in Soho, which no matter how you feel about that film, that should have been here. It's some of the best sound of the year, whether it's the creation or the mixing of the sound. I think it's ludicrous that it's not. Anyway, what can you do? Rachel, do you have any um, Oscar goodness for us? Yes, before we get into this, uh, we have three hosts, and it's the first time... It, we haven't had a host for a few years, first of all, and it is the first time that a group of women are hosting together. And so there are Amy Schumer, Wanda Sykes, and Regina Hall. I think this is an interesting choice. I, I think they're trying something new. None of these comedians, I think, are huge names in the sense that some of the previous hosts have been. So it's interesting. Um, I'm not familiar with Regina Hall at all. Um, but through Wanda Sykes and Amy Schumer, I really admire them both. But I also think of them as very different comedians in style. So I'm not sure how well they're going to mesh. But... I guess we're going to see when they're all up there together, and I hope that it goes really well. I'm, I'm quite intrigued, I think, is what I'm going to take away from this. I'm going to have more thoughts about this in the next episode or two when we discuss the actual elimination of categories. I just feel like it's a slap in the face to um, say we have to get rid of categories, and I'll go more into it in, in another episode, by, you know shoving in three different hosts, which will take up, obviously, a lot of time. So how do, how do I feel about the hosts themselves? I'm incredibly indifferent. Couldn't really care more or less. I feel like they're fine. I just preferred not having a host entirely. I felt like 
it cut out a lot of the stuff that I don't care about when it comes to the Academy Awards, which are, you know, the silly banter that just does not read well except for the people in the room. If they want to televise this, they have to address us as well, and I don't think it I don't think it works. So I'm really indifferent. I'm probably not going to really like what's being done anyway, no matter who does it. Uh, James, what do you think? I mean, yeah, I can agree that they should have just gone with the no host route again. I mean, honestly, I would have liked to see if they could have perfected what Steven Soderbergh tried last year. I mean, it had its clunky moments, but I think that was a better approach. And, you know, the, the more hosts, it seems like, yeah, that more runtime could have gone to giving awards. The other thing is, uh, in the past couple of years, they had somebody introduce and then not show up again. I think that's a good compromise. Yeah. 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 Like you kick it off and then you just let it, let it be its own thing. Mm-hmm. But again, I don't want to, I don't want to diss the, the people who are hosting before they even start. So like, I hope they do well. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. I hope they do as well. And that's what I'm saying. Like I'm, I'm indifferent because I don't really have an opinion on them in general. I don't want them to, I never want anyone to do badly. Even mm-hmm. if it's something that I don't like, prove me wrong. Use this opportunity to prove me wrong. And, um, yeah, I don't want anyone to do badly. Like, I think that's just a really cynical way to look at it. Also, if they were going to have three people, why didn't they just ask us? <laughs> people exactly. who actually saw all of the nominees. <laughs> yes. yes. And we can be like, go watch the shorts. We know you didn't. Exactly. Oh, my God. Yeah. We, yeah. We, I feel like, I mean, I'd like to think that we have chemistry. We've been doing this for over a year now. And, you know, we, we, we are all cut from the same cloth at this point. Um, or if you're going to have three people, you know, the projected possible trio of Maya Rudolph, um, Amy Poehler, and Tina Fey would have been exemplary, I'm sure. Or just bring back Hugh Jackman and he can play three people. That would be amazing. <laughs> I still say Sasha Barry Cohen is uh, Borat Bruno and Ali G. Oh, my Lord. And then the Oscars would get canceled forever. <laughs> and everybody present arrested. <laughs> we, we, we were so close to making it to 100 years, people. So close. <laughs> I feel like... Steve Carell is like the one that I will always stand by. He's never even been given a, a shot at this. I feel like his retorts whenever he's at the Emmys or the Oscars or whatnot are usually funnier than the hosts themselves. Steve Carell would have been amazing, I'm sure. Nonetheless, um, that's pretty much it for this episode. You're going to check out more of our stuff uh, next Tuesday when we get into more categories. And how are we going to do that, Rachel? So you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram under the K-Cut. And we are also still doing our cinematic smorgasbord, even though it's the most wonderful time of the year, Oscar season. And we will be having Bully, Wait Until Dark, Being There, and The Sterile Cuckoo as our collective pick. Fantastic. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of our Oscars Roundup. Next episode, we're going to be getting into the visual stuff. So best editing, cinematography, and visual effects. Don't miss it. That was the K-Cut. We are now going into the L-Cut. <laughs>